This summer, I began a new series on Netflix called Once Upon a Time, which originally aired on ABC from 2011 to 2018. It tells the story of a new world, one in which fairy tale legends and modern life collide. And it's one of those classic tales of the battle of good versus evil, both around us and within us. Now, there are countless characters in this show, and several are heroes who, for the most part, choose good choices and selfless choices, even though they're not all perfect. But then there are those other characters, you know, the ones who continually make the wrong choice, even when they're trying to make a good choice. I love good versus evil storylines, especially if good always wins, which it should. But I really love good redemption stories, and this show has tons of them. And by the end of the series, countless characters discover that love is more powerful than hate and that forgiveness is more powerful than revenge. Now, some had to believe this about themselves, but there were equally as many times and characters who had to believe this was true about someone else. And I'm not sure which is more challenging. Is it harder for us to see our sins, our continual failings, and believe that we can change? To believe that we can get a second chance? Or is it harder to see the sins, the continual failings of another, and to believe that they can change? To believe that they deserve a second chance? Well, today's passage is really part two of one of the most dramatic transformation stories in the Bible. And Pastor Hannah did an excellent job last week beginning this story, part one of it. And I encourage you, if you didn't get to hear it, to go on to our website or social media pages to listen to that sermon. But I want to give you a little recap so that you understand where we're at today. Saul, who would later become known as Paul, was a notorious headhunter of early Christians. You see, Saul was one of those bad characters who, even when he tried to do what was right, he chose wrong. He was so devoted to protecting his understanding of God against people who believed something different that he couldn't see that God was doing a new thing. Or at least he couldn't see until God blinded him with a heavenly light on the road to Damascus and changed Saul's life forever. Now we pick up in the story today in Damascus where Saul has been sitting in a house for three days not eating, not drinking. His eyes are covered in thick scales that he can't really look or see anything other than within himself at his sin and his single-minded, graceless persecution of those who claimed that Jesus was the Messiah. The same Jesus that Saul meets on the road to Damascus and whose sight is restored through a dramatic way. So let's read in Acts chapter 9 verses 10 through 12 in part of this story. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Not much is known about Ananias from Damascus. 
He's only mentioned here in chapter 9 and once more in chapter 22, which we'll refer to in a little bit. What we do know from both accounts is that Ananias was a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. He was part of that early community, the way, those who were followers and believed that Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah, and were trying to follow his ways. And that time was a really scary time for the early believers, and it had a good deal to do with people like Saul. And Ananias had heard the stories of Saul's hatred and his punishment of those who believed in Jesus, people like Ananias and people like that Ananias loved, people there in Damascus. And they knew these are Saul's true colors. Everyone knew that. Well, it seemed everyone but God, apparently. So let's see what Ananias' response is to God. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind or arrest all who invoke your name. So basically, Ananias' initial response to God is, Oh God, whoa, whoa, like all due respect, but I think you may be confused. So let me just remind you who Saul is and what he's been doing and what he's here to do now, and we'll all have a good laugh about this and we'll just forget this whole Saul conversation. It really brings me great comfort that Ananias, this devoted follower of God, his initial reaction to God is the same as mine. So often when God is asking me to do something that I, I does, it doesn't make sense to me, it's not something I want to do, or it's not something that I believe to have been true. I see what I see, forgetting often that God's vision is so much greater than my own. Ananias didn't know that God was already at work in Saul's life. Saul, you see in the story, is not the only one who's blind. Ananias is blind to the possibility of a man like Saul changing. He was blind to the powerful, redeeming work of God in the life of another. You see, all Ananias could see was Saul's past. God's sight was focused on Saul's future. But God isn't flustered by Ananias' response, nor ours at those times when we doubt him. He repeats his command, and then he lets Ananias in on the end game in verses 15 through 16. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument who I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. It's easy for us today to miss the second unbelievable thing that God says to Ananias. You see, up to this point, the message of Jesus as Messiah had really been kept among the Jewish community. But God, as we read throughout Acts, is on the move, unhindered, pushing every geographical and social boundary possible. So the idea that God had chosen Saul the persecutor, well, that blew Ananias' mind. But the fact then that God's announcement that Saul was chosen to preach Jesus to the Gentiles would have been even more mind-blowing for Ananias. Because both are radical, new ways of doing things. And Ananias gets the invitation to be a part of that. And Ananias, in obedience and great faith, says yes to the invitation. Verses 17 through 22. So Ananias went and entered the house 
He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem among those who invoked his name? And has he not come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priest? Saul became increasingly more powerful and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. I have often wondered about that walk from Ananias' vision and conversation with God to the house on Straight Street. Straight Street is one of the longest roads through the city of Damascus. It could have been a very, very long walk for Ananias. So I imagine Ananias was perhaps hesitant sometimes, maybe scared and questioning this whole conversation with the Lord. And so I wonder, did he backtrack at all, take a few steps forward, then retreat, and then go again? Did he hem and haul, maybe killing some time at the corner convenience store? Did he tell anyone else about this crazy dream, and did they try and talk him out of it? Did he give his wife and kids an extra long, extra tight hug, just in case this didn't go according to plan? While we don't know all these things, we do know this. That on the road, straight street, to that house, Ananias' sight regarding Saul was restored. God changed the way Ananias thought of Saul, so that by the time Ananias walked into that house and laid his hand on Saul, he was able to say in faith, my brother. This term of acceptance made a dramatic impact on Saul. We see later in Acts in chapter 22 where Saul, who is now known as Paul at this time, is telling about this dramatic experience with Christ. And he says in his testimony in Acts chapter 22, A certain Ananias who was a devout man according to the law and well spoken of by all the Jews living there came to me. And standing beside me, he said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. You see, after sitting in the dark for three days, feeding on nothing but his own sin and shame and remorse, vulnerable and desperate and dependent on others, even before his sight was restored, the first rays of light hit him in the gentle touch of a hand and the tender whisper in his ear of brother. The first, or one of the very first things that Saul Saul sees after his sight is restored was the face of Ananias, the one who called him brother, the one who said yes to God's crazy request that he believed God could change a man's story, even a man like Saul, and do a new thing. At this point, Ananias fades from the story, and we really don't hear much of him anymore. But it's easy to imagine that Ananias continued to play a role in God's mission. Maybe teaching Saul as Saul relearned his understanding of God through the eyes of Jesus. Maybe vouching to others in Damascus that indeed Saul was a changed man, transformed by Jesus. This helped others to accept Saul as 
they began to see with new eyes. In fact, later in chapter 9, Saul arrives in Jerusalem to a really cold reception among the Jews, and the disciples there did not believe that he had changed. It took another disciple, Barnabas, to vouch for him, to continue to move forward God's plan to preach the gospel, unhindered by Saul's past or by the lack of vision of some disciples. In the Netflix show, Once Upon a Time, there are countless stories of changed lives, changed by love, by forgiveness, by grace, both for themselves and for others. Once upon a time, there was a man named Saul, blind to his sin and his hatred. Then he met Jesus, and his sight was restored, his story redeemed. Once upon a time, there was a man named Ananias, blinded by another's past. And then he met Jesus, and his sight was restored. And he was used by God to be part of Saul's second chance. How is God seeking to restore your sight so love will be unhindered in your life and the lives of others? Could you trust that God is a God of second chances even for you? I know it may be hard, but it only takes a small step of being open to the hope that nothing, nothing in your past nor your presence will hinder God's love for you. I love redemption stories, but it's not even close to how much God loves them and how much God loves you. And church, what person or group of people are you so certain are beyond hope that you are blind to the work that God is doing in them to restore them, blind to God's invitation for you to be part of their second chance. Who in your life needs a tender touch from you and to hear you call them in faith, brother or sister? When our sight is restored through Christ, God's love will be unhindered. Theologian Will Williman says that the story, this story in Acts is a story about how God chose to move toward the Gentiles through the one whom the church feared and hated. Like Ananias, we must be ready to not be surprised by God's transformation of our enemies into our brothers and sisters so that the story of God's love can continue to spread unhindered. Amen.